1: Libro FM lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. You can pick from more than 100,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro.fm, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there, you know the name, but you'll be part of a much different story, one that supports community. All you need is a smartphone and the free Libro FM app. If you already love audiobooks and don't know what to listen to next, check out recommendations and curated lists from the people who know audiobooks best, local booksellers. In July, Libro FM launched their Kids Club and YA Club, which will offer select audiobooks priced under $10 each month, as well as their Summer Listening Challenge. Each person to finish will get free audiobook credit and the chance to win free audiobooks for a year if you complete the challenge extra credit. Listeners of the Book Riot podcast can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of one month. Go to Libro.fm, L-I-B-R-O. F-M, L-I-B-R-O dot fm, and enter code BR3. That's capital B, capital R, the number three. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. Libro.fm, code BR3. <laughs>
0: This is the Book Riot Podcast, a weekly news and talk show about what's new, cool, and worth talking about in the world of books and reading. This is episode 320. We are recording foolishly on the morning of July 5th, 2019. (laughs) Jeff O'Neill, Rebecca Shinsky coming to you. From a very great website called bookriot.com.
1: You know, I'm feeling even more foolish because it's mid-afternoon where I, know, I am. know, it's rough And for you. mid-afternoon on a Friday, on the day after the 4th of July, is like, <laughs> what am I even doing?
0: It's like the New Year's Day of the summer, the day <laughs> after 4th of July. It is. And yeah, here we are doing stuff. Yeah, well, we're going to get you out of here before too long. But, um, you know, another interesting news week. Mm-hmm. We... This is what we call. Uh, Ames dropped that he knew the literary term foreshadowing in the car last night, which I oh, wasn't prepared for. All right, good job. A little job foreshadowing. Elementary is English that teachers. Something that we recently discussed only as a hypothetical mm-hmm. and in a powerful one looks like it might be more than a hypothetical. I'm just going to leave that there for you. Okay. Because at first, we're going to do a sponsor. We are sponsored this week by Finale by Stephanie Garber. It's the third book in Stephanie Garber's. New york Times best-selling Car series. The Fates and the Deck of Destiny have now been unleashed. Find out what happens to Stella and Scarlett. Welcome to Finale. It's been two months since the Fates were freed from a deck of cards, two months since Legend claimed the throne for his own, and two months since Stella discovered the boy she fell in love with doesn't really exist. That's what you call a plot twist. Stella must decide if she's going to trust Legend. After uncovering a secret, Scarlet will need to do the impossible and legend has a choice to make that will forever change him. Caraval is over, but perhaps the greatest game of all has begun. So this is a hugely popular YA fantasy series. Three books, and you can get in. Start at the beginning. They're all done now. If you're waiting for O'Neill's Razor to be fulfilled, I have good news for you. You can go back and start with Caraval, and then Legendary, and now, fittingly, finale. Thanks to Stephanie Garber's best-selling Caraval series, especially Finale, for sponsoring this episode of the show. You can go buy it now. Please do. Okay, listener follow-up. Speaking of anticipated fantasy, this one was, we didn't ask for this, but we were talking about, why were we talking about the Starless Sea? I guess it's just in the ether, but um, were we talking about it in in particular? Maybe.
1: I I don't think so.
0: Maybe. Anyway, um, Abby Says, I-, I like your show and just thought you might find this interesting. Abby, you were correct. Um, that review copies of Aaron Morgenstern's The Starless Sea are on eBay and they are going for two to $500 a copy. So, uh, do you want to get into the eBay arc stuff right now? I kind of don't want to, but uh, I'm happy to go there. No, if you go I don't there. think
1: we need to get into that other than don't do it.
0: Yeah, probably shouldn't do it on the whole. I'm not one of those people that is going to get real hot and bothered about that. I I think for most titles, the number, it's not going to take away enough of sales to get worried about. I think if you're in the game of collecting review copies to sell them, that's probably, that's not a quarter I'd want to stand on. Let's just put Mm. it that way. But as an indicator of anticipation, hugely fascinating, I guess, (laughs) is what I'm trying to say. And I haven't seen, again, we used to do this a little bit. We'd hear about copies on on eBay going for high prices. This is the highest um, we've heard about in a while, and it got us thinking, you and I especially, thinking about, you know, what what would beat this, and then why the Starless Sea is in this range. So let me go, let me do my thing, then you can do your thing. Mine is, you know, what would beat it? Um, And I've only got three, I've only got three, really. Two of which we know are coming at some point, Mm -hmm. or believe them to be coming, that's also what we call foreshadowing, Uh, and one that, you know, could come, but we don't know. So let's start from let's start from most likely to least likely. I think the last book in Patrick Rothfuss's King Kingkiller Chronicles, which has been due, is due for a while, would get in this range. Um, I'm not sure it's as popular as The Night Circus, but the last installment of his fantasy, highly anticipated, I think would probably get upwards of this. Um, the second one is we're told it's going to come out and it's going to be done sometime in 2020 because the man himself, George R. R. Martin, said it was going to happen. But the next installment, I believe, called, called oh, Wolves of Winter or Winter's Sky. I don't remember what the next book is called. That There will be no review copies of that, I would almost guarantee it. But were there, I would be fascinating to see what the price would be. I mean, I can't imagine. I, I think you could... I think you would easily chop a thousand dollars to get an early copy um, of the the next Game of Thrones book, and then of course there is the I don't know I feel like it's like Schrodinger's Schrodinger's Potter or whatever like there's always <laughs> this there's this this looming whatever's Rowling's going to do next mm-hmm. out there if there ever were a Harry Potter eight or the first installment in a new series set in the Wizarding World, I don't know that either of them would be two to $500 a copy. Also, they wouldn't be review copies, but I'm just putting it out there. But those are the three I could think of that I know for sure would top this. Do you have any others? No. And then do your thing about why the Starless Sea is kind of a, if it's an, it's a, it's an exception that kind of proves the yeah, rule, it's, it's an interesting case. It
1: is interesting. You know, I think yours are correct that like the things that have the most hypothetical eBay value, though, are, as you were hinting at, also the ones that are least likely to have galleys available. Mm -hmm. Like, there will be no early review copies of the last book in the Game of Thrones series. Like, there just won't be. Um, If there were going to be a Harry Potter... I wouldn't even be surprised if they just Beyonce'd it and it was like, surprise, today a new Harry Potter book has been published. Oh, be still my heart.
0: Yeah, I don't (laughs) know know how we would handle
1: that. There there just would be no advance notice. And so the Starless Sea, I think, falls in this like magical sweet spot where it's like the Night Circus is not the most popular book ever published, but it was popular enough and it is beloved by book nerds. And it's not so popular that it that the follow-up book won't have galleys. So it's like, it rings a bunch of bells because there are other, I I think I was saying on our staff slack, like, you know, it's not just about how popular is the title. It's like how, how widely read is the author, but also like how invested are Mm -hmm. the book nerds in getting that author's next book? Because like nobody's selling more books than like James Patterson or John Grisham, but also I don't think that you've got anybody who's willing to pay $500 for a John Grisham galley on eBay. Like now maybe I'm wrong. And if you know that I'm wrong, you can email us and let me know. But I, I think an Aaron Morgenstern book like rings that bell of beloved by a group of people who are willing to spend 500 bucks. Some of them at least in order to read the book early, which led us then down the road of, is there anything I would pay $500 to read early? (laughs)
0: To read early I mean that's the thing. It's not that you're never gonna get it. It's that you're buying yourself what, a six month at you, this point? Yeah, you're I don't even shortening know if it's the that.
1: anticipation period, yeah. I guess.
0: And maybe there's a collector's thing. Here's the thing, you're, I think I hadn't thought about this till you brought it up, but I think you're absolutely right that it's popular enough that people are interested, but not so popular that was this a random house title? I can't
1: yes, remember. Yes, yeah, it's random this. house.
0: Doesn't f- still feels the need to put out review copies. Right. Right? There is a threshold, the Meridian. We'll call it the Dan Brown Meridian for, because <laughs> I've wanted to made something after him for a while. If you pass it, you don't even need to do review copies because people are going to buy it. Anyway, it right. does, doesn't matter. Um, the Martins, the, they're well past it. And and the other thing is, even though it's not the next installment of a series, it's kind of the next installment in the Erin Morganstern series because she only has one book. And so I think part of it is, what is Erin Morgenstern's deal? Was the Night Circus a... Uh, you know, was it exceptional for her own work? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was exceptional. It's a different kind of book. I recommend it a million times. I, you know, famously, um, Michelle's taking credit for all this, by the way, when I talk about this story. <laughs> um, but also, there's a lot people who like the Night Circus really like
1: the yeah. Night Circus. Yeah. And it's pretty singular. Yeah. Like, I also think that you know, if Erin Morgenstern's second book had come out, like, the night circus came out in 2011. If the second book had come out in like 2012 or 2013, they still would yes. have done arcs for it. Like she has not, cro- she still would not have crossed the Dan Brown Meridian, but oh. it's been long enough now that like, especially the folks who read galleys. So like boots on the ground booksellers and in both, you know, big chains and the independents and reviewers, like a lot of people are doing that work who weren't doing it or who weren't even Even old enough to be working in 2011 Um, and so either being introduced to Erin Morgenstern or being reminded of her I think and this is not particular to Morgenstern I think it's just the galleys become more essential when there's been a wider gap between your really big book like the Starless Sea is going to be a big deal because the Night Circus was so beloved but it's been eight years and like there's another uh, example this year's Taya Obrecht has a new book coming out this year she was like the hottest thing when the Tiger's Wife came out also in 2011. But there's a whole lot of people in publishing now who weren't in publishing then and like working in bookish spaces and mm-hmm. reading books as adults who weren't reading then who either need to be reminded of her or um, reintroduced or reintroduced in that way. I wonder if some of this, and this is the first time I've thought of it, is like not just people who are like, I don't want to wait to read The Starless Sea, but I want to own a galley of The Starless Sea because I think it'll be worth something in the future. Like maybe from the yeah. collector's tip. That's the angle is I'll pay 500 bucks for it now and hold on to it and then hope that Aaron Morgenstern becomes super famous and the Starless Sea becomes a really big deal. And then I can either own this thing that has increasing value or resell it for a lot more.
0: Yeah, it's funny to think about, so speculation is part of it in this and some Mm -hmm. of it would be, do you think she's going to be... Neil Gaiman would be, I guess, a comp, right? Like you think, is Mm -hmm. is Aaron Morgan's going to have a Neil Gaiman career where it's a a brand name, enters the modern classics of genre, especially fantasy? I'd love to know, like, are galleys of the ocean at the end of the lane worth something now? I I don't know the Mm. market for this sort of thing. I think that's a good point. I was thinking more of a collectible, I just want to have it. But in terms of an investment, a speculative investment, I have no idea what it looks like. And I can't think on the literary fiction front, especially though I'm, I'm less and less attuned to it, though I think enough still to wildly speculate, I can't think of a, liter- a straight up literary fiction author that would do that, that, that mm-hmm. would fetch something like this. Like, so in terms of people that sell books of late, like Celeste Aang, she sells copies. Like, so people oh, will buy yeah. Celeste Aang, but if there are review copies for her next book, and she, I don't think she has passed the threshold. Do you? Like, her next book will probably still have review copies?
1: Oh, yes. Yeah, I think especially when when you're looking for word of mouth, like, one of the things that publishers want is for the booksellers and the reviewers to be reading the books that are going to drive word of mouth Mm -hmm. in advance, you know, like, so that there can be reviews months in advance, so that the librarians will order the thing and will talk about it with people. And so book clubs will start to look out for it. So when you have as much momentum as Celeste Ng has, I think that... I think that you would want to be Dan Brown's size as an author before you would be okay with your publisher right. ditching galleys. You,
0: you want to shoot past the Dan yeah, Brown meridian. You, be you like, don't want to be on the meridian.
1: Yeah, yeah, you want to be yeah. so sure that you don't need those galleys.
0: Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, and, and so it sounds like, do you think, so let's say The Starless Sea does very well, and Aaron Morgenstern's next book comes out in five years. There probably still will be review For copies sure. of that one. I, I don't sure. think we're... You have to be in the hundreds of thousands of units selling in the first 6 weeks I think to get into that. Mm-hmm. Or have mo- or have a guaranteed movie or something else like that. Right, Long rumored like, Night Circus adaptation still hasn't happened yet. You know, The yeah. Starless Sea. I've heard that it's great. That's what I've heard about The Starless yeah, Sea. I've That's heard it's all, great all also. I know. So there's a chance for that too, but it's interesting that Morgan Stern her career and this book are kind of like off the Cartesian grid Mm -hmm. of of what we expect. Like it's in a weird spot.
1: It is weird. The only thing that I've seen this year that's embargoed that wasn't like a giant celebrity memoir or you know someone like dan brown who doesn't need yeah. galleys is um jody Cantor, and i can't remember her co-writer but the two reporters who broke the, uh, the big harvey weinstein me too yeah. story have a book coming out and when i got the and i don't have it in front of me so i don't remember which publisher but when i got the email from that publisher of like these are our big books for fall email us and tell us which one you want review copies of there was a note in there that that title is embargoed and there are no review copies of it so so like maybe they're planning on maybe they're breaking some news in that book um or there are some big reveals that they don't want to have get out but also they feel confident enough in the interest in it that they don't they won't need galleys
0: yeah that wrinkle is important that they could have nuggets in there that they don't want to dribble out first. So it's not yeah. so much even about protecting sales or, you know, protecting, you know, protecting from bad reviews or something or just not needing to bother. Mm-hmm. I think that one is that additional is like we want to we want to use the juice that's in here um, according to our own launch plan. Yeah, I don't know. Like I was reading um, early reviews of The Water Dancer by um, Coates, his book that's oh, finally yeah. coming mm-hmm. out in the fall. That looks like it's going to be big, but I'm sure there'll still be review copies of that one. Um, and I don't think people like Colson Whitehead has a book coming out. Yeah, I mean, you're was, not going to get three hundred dollars yeah, for a, um an early one of those of the Nickel
1: Boys. Yeah, they definitely did galleys of that because I I'm looking at one right now.
0: You know, the Goldfinch really sold, and Donna Tart is a name that would probably an early copy of her next book. Mm, Again, mm-hmm. I don't know. You're gonna get 200 to 500, but it, I would guess it would get above average. Yeah, well, juice. and
1: she's in that sweet spot for sure of like yeah. f- die-hard fans. Even if you didn't love the Goldfinch, a lot of people really love the Secret History and would mm. are invested in maybe getting access. to Oh, a lot of people
0: it. read the Gold. I mean, people yeah.
1: the I mean, the kind of people well. that are
0: canaries for me read the Goldfinch. Like their book. Mm-hmm. I mean, they like to read books, so they're not. They're not the people that read, you know, they're not Fifty Shades of Grey kind of breakout readers, but they'll break, they're, they're indicative kinds of readers. They read E. Pray, Love, and they read The Martian and stuff like that. People read The Goldfinch.
1: Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah.
0: Do just, they remember it was written by Donna Tart? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think Maybe. they
1: read it. I, my reading of the, f- I guess, fandom, though, is yeah. that like there's not a big Goldfinch, Donna Tart fandom. It was widely read, but like the people, that I know of who like love Donna Tart, mm-hmm. that love is growing out of the secret history. Um, that like the yeah. goldfinch sold as well as it did because people wanted to know what was coming next. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, no, my little friend was after a secret. Um, history. Oh, that's there right. I never between. read that
1: one. Um, I would be interested right. from our listeners if there's an author, like who's in your sweet spot that galleys would exist. And you would consider mm. buying a galley on eBay for a lot of money, putting aside like the ethical concerns about that. Yeah, like, yeah. If we lived in a universe where it was all fine, whose books are you so excited about? You would pay, mm. you know, a bunch of dollars to, to read them early. Podcast at bookriot.com.
0: Yeah. I, I don't have a good answer for what book would I pay a premium for Mm-mm. early. Um, and I can get some stuff. I can't get everything that yeah. I would be theoretically interested in. I mean, I guess the one for us would be the Morrison. But like, I'm all right for day and date.
1: Yeah, I'm no, okay. I I like the yeah. I like the anticipation, and then I like the ritual of going to the bookstore on the day and getting like you know we can, we don't get galleys of Dan Brown. Mm-hmm. I like going to the bookstore on Dan Brown day and buying the book and now, doing ask me- the thing.
0: Now I've been in on the King Killer Chronicles. I mistakenly um, oh no. transgressed O'Neill's Razor because I didn't understand the first book was wasn't a standalone. Someone recommended me, I was like, "I'll try it," and I liked it. I was like, "Oh wait a minute, get to the end." Oh wait, there's it's oh, a series, no. and only the second book was out. Not happy. Not a happy reading you day. You find
1: yourself hanging from a cliff. You did not anticipate. And
0: I'm not going to buy. I'm not going to buy a review copy for sort of the ethical stuff we talked about. But let's say there was a uh, an early buy program for the the third book, and said, "Okay, you can get it four months early for double the price." I might consider mm-hmm. that. Huh. You know, fifty bucks to get it a few months early. I'd look. I'd look at it. Okay. But that's I, that's about it. I, I don't know that I could do much more than that. I'm not sure. Especially if I have a trip. Like the value of a book, next book in the series is um, the value increases algorithmically. The closest, I, closer I get to a plane ride. <laughs> so, so if I have a long plane ride coming up, um, my my purchase threshold will definitely raise a uh, rise mm-hmm. uh, for something like that. That's funny. Anyway. Yeah, podcast at com. Let us know if there's a title you'd pay early for, how much, and then if you've got guesses or thoughts about other authors' books that would that are short of the meridian of not getting review copies of all because don't need them, um, but that still would fetch a premium. really be interested mm-hmm. to hear what out there. There might be like genre authors that you and I don't know that are – because the the supply and demand—the demand is high, but the supply is even smaller, people don't know. Like, maybe there's the last book in a romance series that we don't know about or something like mm-hmm. that that someone might—that plopped down 100 bucks for. I'd love to know about that. Um, this, this is from um, Lily. She is giving us feedback about—we were talking about subsidies, government programs to support bookstores especially or cultural institutions, and she wrote in to say, Um, She's from Minnesota. In in 2008, there was a sales tax amendment passed that mostly put funds into the environment and clean water, but about 20% of the money goes to arts and cultural heritage organizations, which includes publishers like Grey Wolf. So she was that sort of an example of something like that working. Grey Wolf is an interesting example. It's a publisher. It's a fairly large publisher, but I believe, Rebecca, you may be able to, to... a, mm-hmm. a confirmed deny, or at least sort of partially confirmed. That's a five hundred one three C. I believe yes. it's a nonprofit.
1: Gray Wolf is a nonprofit.
0: So I wonder if that cultural heritage organizations as stipulated here would would you'd have to do you have to be a nonprofit to benefit from that? I would guess so. I would guess so. Some people have thought that maybe nonprofit status might be a way forward for some bookstores. I don't know enough about the consequences of becoming a nonprofit. Um, you know, whether whether the pros and cons. That would be the kind of thing I feel like something like this would have to you'd have to do to qualify for. So pro- I would guess that in Minnesota you can't be some random bookstore as traditionally organized and apply for this tax credit, but maybe if you're a five hundred one three c, you could. Um, but very interesting to hear about that too.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Do
0: you know Thank anything you. about five hundred c's?
1: Not really. No. Yeah. yeah I'm on the there. board of one, but I don't have any idea about um, these like particular kinds of funding and mine's a yoga organization. So I don't know what you would do with publishers or anything like that.
0: Right. Um, you mean it it would be a stretch to, to
1: (laughs) okay. Um, let's do another
0: sponsor. Then we'll get into the the news news.
1: All right, our next sponsor this week is The Van Apfel Girls Are Gone by Felicity McLean. This is like The Virgin Suicides meets Picnic at Hanging Rock. It's the can't miss book of summer. The Van Apfel Girls Are Gone is a favorite of Entertainment Weekly, Time, Bustle, and more. In the hot Australian summer of 1992, the three young Van Apfel sisters mysteriously disappeared. Did they run away from their harsh parents? Were they taken? Their disappearance was never solved, and now years later, still haunted by the loss of their playmates, Tika Malloy returns home to try to make sense of that strange time. Cosmo declared the Van Apfel girls are gone, one part mystery, one million parts amazing that's a really nice hook uh this really apparently lives up to the description of virgin suicides meets picnic at hanging rock it's a great summer read it's mystery darkly comic coming of age story and it'll keep you turning the page you get to fast forward 20 years after the events to when tika is back home in australia she is no less obsessed with the mystery than she was 20 years ago and she sees her long-lost friend cordelia's face in people that she passes on the street This is based um, partially on an experience that Felicity McLean's great-grandfather had with a clairvoyant in 1914, a real-life example of how we might be living with ghosts. Felicity McLean is an author and a journalist, and her writing has appeared in major newspapers and magazines. She's also ghost-written six books, and this is her first novel. So that sounds good to me, maybe even for a plane ride on your summer vacation. That's The Van Apfel Girls Are Gone by Felicity McLean. Clean. We'll have a link in the show notes, or you can find it wherever books are sold. Thanks to them for sponsoring.
0: So the next story is the lead story of the week, and it's earlier in the reporting cycle than we would normally go. Mm-hmm. But this is the sort of thing that if there are any four tremors that are true, we should get on this early. We were talking kind of when we we went on a jag about streaming platforms and content wars and blah, blah, blah. We were talking about, you know, what moves the needle for you In terms of signing up for things, what would be um, a cultural event like Game of Thrones has been, was, maybe will be again when the new series gets up and going. And we said, of course, the meteor that everyone is watching for is the next Harry Potter thing. The report this week came from We Got This Covered, which is anonymously sourced. Haven't seen any other backup to it. So as, l- as this has gone on longer, I'm less sure about this than when it first uh, came out.
1: Maybe but we're just talking about rumors.
0: <laughs> we're talking about rumors. And you, well, it says, apparently Warner Brothers in the very early stages of developing a Harry Potter TV show for their upcoming streaming service. Okay. Very early stages could be, hey, JK, What do you think? And they're waiting on an email back. That technically is very early stages, I guess.
1: What do we even know about their upcoming streaming service? Like how far out is that? Well, we
0: do know that that's coming, I believe, next year. Okay. And here's the thing that makes it more likely is Warner Brothers is in like fifth position at this point, Mm -hmm. and they have rights to distribute Harry Potter things. So if anyone's going to get a chance at the food bowl for Harry Potter TV show, it would be Warner Brothers, and I could see them low. Look, they would need more than one Brinks truck to to load up. They would pay almost anything. I mean, Amazon paid a billion dollars for Lord of the Rings. Yeah. HP at this point is worth more than that. Oh, definitely. It just is. It just is. By a factor of five?
1: Mm, Maybe. Three? I would say probably at least three, like the point about Warner brothers being in fifth position, I think is critical to this because it's not just, we've got a streaming service and we also have rights to Harry Potter and let's do a thing. It's here's a brand new streaming service. Like if you're Mm. just launching a streaming service, you're way behind the eight ball. So how are you going to try to catch up and then be competitive? Like really, I don't think there's a better bet than Harry
0: Potter. There's no better bet. Absolutely. No better bet. And so if if they weren't considering it or doing whatever they could to get it on there, they should be fired immediately. Absolutely. So uh, that that would be justification enough to say I would bet. Well, I bet Rebecca's life on it. Maybe not mine, <laughs> that that Warner <laughs> Brothers Thanks. is in the very early stages. <laughs> well, you'd win another life. That's pretty good. I'm very sure. Anyway, so that that's coming, and that I think. The only reason it has more likelihood of happening not is how desperate Warner probably is. They're behind Mm. Amazon with Lord of the Ring. They're behind Netflix with all of its stuff. They're behind HBO just because it's HBO, and they're behind this thing that the Disney service, which I haven't even launched yet, which is going to have a Star Wars series, it's going to have Marvel series, it's going to have all the Disney stuff. So talk about the catbird seat for cash. Not that J.K. needed any more of a catbird seat, but Mm -hmm. like she, she the platform that needs her the most is the one that. Is uh, that she's obligated to give it right. to? I guess you couldn't be in a better then, position. I, I'm uh, some. It, the only reason this wouldn't happen if she just doesn't want it to happen. That's yeah. the only reason.
1: And I think it's like not only can she really push for Scrooge McDuck piles of money but one of the ongoing conversations we've been having about streaming services and exclusive content and all of that is like what kind of exclusive content is exciting enough to like get you to sign up for a service just to watch that thing or just to listen to that podcast and harry potter like i this is now the harry potter meridian like if you're a harry potter fan and you don't care anything about Or else. your
0: kids are. Right. Like I mean, if there's a hairy, if there's
1: a if there's a Potterhead anywhere in your house, even like a casually interested person, like I read the books, I've seen the movies, I'm curious enough to know what's gonna yeah, happen. Yeah, would you sign up for it? Next probably I would probably sign up for the Warner Brothers too. streaming service, at least Just to watch like the first season and no, yeah. because Do Are you willing to just like opt out of the next step of the fandom for this thing that you've been into for 20 years at this point Mm -hmm. or for your entire childhood, if it's your kids? Like, I think that Harry Potter is the one that's compelling enough to get people at least to try. And then whether they stayed in Warner Brothers streaming service just to watch Harry Potter would depend on, of course, how good that series is. Maybe they can, you know, stash enough other good content in there that even if you don't like the Harry Potter show, you'll stick around and watch other things. But if, yeah. like, if any original or exclusive content has a shot at getting people to sign up for a service just for that, it's Potter for sure.
0: Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sign up for this stupid Disney thing. I mean, it's not stupid. It's more stupid that I have to sign up for another. I'm going to do that just for the Star Wars one. Mm. There's uh, Harry Potter and Star Wars... A really only, I really don't know if the Lord of the Rings thing. I mean, I have Amazon Prime anyway, so I have it. But like, let's say there was in some service that I didn't have. Uh, I would look at a. I tra- I think I'd need a trailer for that, at least to say, OK, what does it look like? I don't need to even see a trailer for the Mandalorian thing that's coming to to um, the Disney service. And I don't think I need a trailer for this. Unless they say like, it's an animated kid show, mm. which I would get it for my kids. So maybe that's the threshold they're trying to pass. But for m- me, just me in a vacuum, um, I-, I would suffocate because humans can't live in vacuums. <laughs> but if it were just me at my house, uh, Jeff on the Couch, show title, um, I would pay for this anyway. It's saying, okay, th- now now we're, in the, now we're beyond the just logic Dictates that this has to be true. Rumor to some more specific rumors, and none of these are spoilers. I don't think it will be a prequel. <clears throat> <laughs> uh, the, the that takes place in mo- <laughs> the wheel, the place, place mostly at Hogwarts and around parts of Europe, um, featuring all new characters. Is this you know the the Fantastic Beast stuff is really nosediving. The second one was. Didn't do well, and it was bad. Like I watched it because mm-hmm. I wanted to see how bad it was, and indeed, it was bad. That's been delayed till twenty twenty one. I wouldn't guess they would try to double down on that, though. I'm, I'm sure if JK said this is the only thing I'm doing, Warner Brothers would have to say yes. A prequel, so it's sometime between Fantastic Beasts and the the plot of Hogwarts. Maybe it's the Marauders. Like that's one people think like the the pot, Harry's parents and a young Snape. People have long wanted that. I think that would make compelling a compelling product. I don't know. Does, does she want to write the show? That's the other thing we don't want to know about. Is she, she going to write this? She hasn't. But she let the Cursed Child, she let the writers of that do their thing. Like they went through the plot with her, but mm-hmm. she didn't write the, the words that appeared in the script or I guess on stage. But Fantastic Be, she did. I can't imagine she wants to sign up for writing an ongoing TV show. That is not fun. That is not easy no. work to do. I don't, I don't think that's the writing cadence to which she's become accustomed. So I think implicit in this is handing off the, the scripting duties largely. Maybe she'll R. Martin it and say, "Here's the general yeah. thing," and then you make the shows. But yeah,
1: and like hard on to say. scripting an ongoing show like on a streaming platform, though, is different from like you got to write twenty-two episodes yeah, a year true. on cable. This because this could be like a six-episode season. It could be an eight-episode season, which is still the equivalent of like two and a half Harry Potter movies, but
0: mm-hmm.
1: not. It's not bonkers.
0: So I think that's, that's all we sort of maybe think might be happening. But you heard it here first, yeah. unless, unless it doesn't happen, in which we are skeptical like we should have been after hearing the news that this was all garbage. Either one of those things. You know, whatever one makes us look the best. That's what we did.
1: <laughs> the one time I don't start off super skeptical.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it, again, like I said, the thing that you shouldn't be skeptical is that someone, they're trying to do this. Mm-hmm. If they have any traction with J.K., is the that's the that's the critical piece that we don't know anything.
1: Oh about. well, yeah. If the first thing out of their mouths in the meeting where it was decided to have a streaming platform wasn't "we got to get Harry Potter on this," then you're absolutely right, as you said a few minutes ago, that those people should be fired
0: immediately and summarily fired immediately. Um, shout out to Bet. So, we I think we said that we were going to wait until after the first of yes. j- July to do the to post the Book rights, best books of 2019. Lo and behold, we're good to our words. You can go find it all. We've got comics, fiction, nonfiction, broken down by genre. Um, a lot of great stuff here, and I haven't read much of it, I have to say. Um, but I thought I would ask you, in in in, in looking at it, again, does anything mm-hmm. jump out to you for any reason? Like, what do you want to what do you want to uh, put a spotlight oh. a little bit?
1: I always, well, on a top level kind of approach, I always love how diverse in all the senses a book riot list is like there's so much genre on here and there are lots of writers of color and lots of women writers um personal faves of mine that appeared on this list um that I did not contribute to Um, The Bride Test by Helen Wong. I really loved and thought was wonderful. Um, Somewhere Only We Know by Maureen Gu is a young adult, uh, like rom-com set over the course of 24 hours, inspired by Roman Holiday, and it's wonderful. Mm. Uh, Loved that I'm definitely going to read On Earth, We're Briefly Gorgeous. I think we talked about that when Amazon's list came out. One that I loved that I haven't seen on any other big list, and so I'm, I'm really glad that Patricia Thang um, pointed it out on the book write list this year, is No Happy Endings by Nora mm. McInerney. Um, that's a really lovely, thoughtful memoir about like moving on in happiness and in life after um, a major loss. After her first husband died, she met a new man and started a new family and like in relatively quickly and unexpectedly. And she writes about like, how do these things sit alongside each other? How are you still like very actively grieving and also moving on into another new, like beautiful part of your life? It's just really lovely. Um, who else is on here? I'm going to, I, always like scroll through these and end up wanting to read every book that our contributors talk about. Probably good talk by Mira Jacob yeah. is the one that I've had on my radar the longest that I haven't picked up yet.
0: Um, the one, and I saw in the Book Riot Contributor Slack a couple days ago, and I think when people, we're just doing one of our um, mm-hmm. normal, you know, Saturday, what people are reading, Recursion by Blake Crouch, uh, which is a mystery thriller and also science fiction. He wrote Dark Matter, which I read. Oh, yeah. And that thing I flew through, mm-hmm. and Katie Krug picked that here. And also a bunch of, a bunch of Book Riot um, writers were talking about it. So that one, I had forgotten it was out. <gasps>
1: Yeah, yeah, and we that listened. one is climbing
0: my list just as I'm even talking about it more right now.
1: That yeah, we, really we listened to, to Dark Matter on audio on a road trip, and that was great.
0: And then Lib wrote about "On Earth We're Briefly Gorgeous," mm-hmm. um, which is on. It's it's approaching the um, what do you call it the um, the gravity the gravity Threshold, you know, where something falls towards the earth. That's kind of how I feel like some of these things are with me. Like it gets closer and closer uh-huh. and then just gets pushed over the edge and starts entering the earth's atmosphere of my reading sphere. I'm not that far from picking up on earth. We're yeah. gorgeous. I'm just not that far. I've heard about it too much. It looks, sounds great. It's short, I believe, mm-hmm. um, which matters for me increasingly. So that one is one I was like, okay, yeah. well, there's maybe the last signal I needed to get yeah. to that one. Yeah,
1: and I recently heard Esme Wang on, the, um, on a podcast discussing the collected schizophrenias, which is a mm. collection of essays about her experience having schizophrenia and then like sort of the long journey to being diagnosed and how that's impacted her life mm. and her understanding of herself and experiences in society. And she was wonderful on that show, and re- that really piqued my interest.
0: So go check it out. There'll be a link in the show notes. It's also on the homepage of bookriot.com, very fine website uh, that has a bunch of things about books that if you listen to the show, you will like the things there. Go check that out. I I was looking at the things coming out the rest of the year. Mm. The coats... Very interested in that Uh-huh. Very interested The Whitehead comes out in three weeks It's coming uh-huh. out soon It's coming out in a couple weeks you have anything on your radar? We're I do There's a I'm new hitting it I, mean, I didn't prep you for this So I'm sorry to, That's to okay hit you I'm
1: sitting right next to my galley shelves um, yeah. There is a new Leslie Jameson collection ah. Of essays called Make It Scream, Make It Burn That's hmm. um, Let's see Synthesis of Memoir Criticism and Journalism It's 14 essays That obs- explores the depths of longing And the reverberations of obsession Hmm. And I don't need to know anymore. I love Leslie nope. Jameson. Um, there's a new uh, Zadie Smith short story I saw collection that. coming yeah. in October, and Kevin Wilson has a new book coming out mm-hmm. this fall as well. Hmm. Who else? Those are the ones well, there's where, the new
0: Atwood. I mean, that's oh, gonna be a yeah. big thing. But, right. Are you looking forward to
1: that? I had forgotten about it until you said that's it a bad now, So I that's think a bad that's song. probably my answer right now I feel like I'm just going to spend the, su- I'm like spending the summer trying to catch up on things I missed. Yeah. So I I still need to like read the new Elizabeth Gilbert. And I want to read mm. the overstory that won the Pulitzer and, or one of the, one of <sighs> yeah, those it awards. Did. It did. Yeah. The and sort of get caught up. The, um, the Colson Whitehead is high up my list. Do you have one as well? Yeah, I do.
0: Okay. How long is it? Can you tell? It just
1: is, uh, yeah, hang on. It's, this is live action folks. Um, <laughs> The hardcover is two hundred and ten pages. Oh wow! Yeah, and it's it's kind of small. Like it's not borderline novella.
0: We're in novella territory.
1: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, two ten. It feels. You know, is there an industry term of art
0: for novella? Like, is there like really like. That publishers use to say it's they would market as a novella. Rather than I saw the reason I asked is because of that. But then Becky Chambers' next book is coming out in the fall, Mm -hmm. and it is expressly called a novella. But I don't know how many pages it is.
1: I don't know if there's an industry standard Mm -hmm. for that. Publishing people, if you're listening and you know if there's an answer, please let us know. My personal threshold would be like I don't know if it's like 150 pages or less, maybe less Mm. than 200. But I've read some novels that were 180 that it was like this is a novel.
0: The next one I'm picking up, I actually have a galley of this, but I haven't read it yet that I'm looking forward to that's coming out, is The Semicolon by Cecilia Watson, which is a <laughs> cultural history of The Semicolon. I don't know if I've talked about this on the show before, I but I'm very much looking forward to don't that.
1: don't know if you have, but that does sound very appropriate for me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you do what you can. All right. Let's oh, do, I'm can, reading the, what, new, what,
1: the new Alicia Rye um, mm, romance. Right Swipe? called wife? The Right Swipe. I'm in the mm. middle of it right now, and it's wonderful.
0: All right, let's take a break. We'll come okay. back and do some more shows. We just want to thank you for listening to this show. And if you can, and you like what we do here, share it. Let us, your friends, your family, even, you know, enemies, they, may, they hate follow you. Honest, Be honest, they do. And if you shout us out on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, please tag us at Book Riot so we can thank you. We like hearing from our listeners and appreciate your support and spreading the word. Look, this show's not for everybody, but it's for some people. Like, you're listening to this, and you are a person that proves it's for somebody and maybe there are other somebodies out there. Thanks so much to listening to the show. Let us know. We'll hit you back. Is that what they say now? We'll hit you back we'll on Twitter. We'll hit you back. I don't even know. Is how that what use they it. say now? <laughs> mm.
1: <laughs> I don't think so.
0: Especially also like hit uh, Instagram. I've been having fun with annotated on Instagram. Mm. Annotated FM. I look at that every day. So if you say something there, I definitely will notice and, and, and like your little comment and say something nice too, probably. No promises, but probably, probably. Okay. Where do you want to go next? We have an order now, but I think we can get to whatever we want. Where do I
1: want to go next? I don't know.
0: Hmm. Can Actually, I do my crazy one? Did yes, you see this? Yeah,
1: do your crazy one. I saw that it was in the agenda, but I was like, what even? So I decided just to let you tell me about it.
0: Now, don't, I, mm-hmm. I don't, sometimes I forget what we, you and I talked about sort of in the course of doing our work, not on the air. But I think mm-hmm. we talked about, to the listeners, at the listeners, about motion sickness and reading. Yes, Did I we think we this? have, to,
1: yeah, yeah. Because people emailed us about it.
0: They emailed us. And I think Gmail, like, saw this, and I started seeing ads for this thing. <laughs> and I just had to share it, called Eyes on Board. And... It might be the dorkiest looking product <laughs> I've ever seen. It's pretty high up there. So what it is, it's a pair of, it's not actually glasses, but they're glasses-shaped object, objects. But instead of having just the two eye holes in the front, they have those, but also two eye holes that are like on your temple Oh, as well. like
1: peripheral?
0: Yeah, but the, they don't actually have lenses. They're, they're, the, the lens holes are hollow, except there's a ring that is half filled with some sort of blue liquid. Right, in each one of the four lenses. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, a, kind of doing your, your fly eyes. And the idea here is that it will reinforce to your eyes the motion that you're actually detecting, you know, the horizon. It, it mm-hmm. reinforces the horizon because okay. you know, the, the water's going to fall down towards the earth because of gravity and Isaac Newton, that jerk, um, ruined it for everyone. <laughs> and somehow reinforcing the movement that your eyes are detecting helps you with motion sickness. And their claim is if you get in the car and put these on for 10 minutes, you can then take them off and you won't get motion sick. What? Because your eyes will have adjusted to the horizon moving. It just, it just <laughs> reinforces in that what it basically aligns, what you're feeling and what your eyes are seeing more quickly. And basically when you get motion sick, those things, you, you feel mm-hmm. like you're seeing something different than you're experiencing. And the idea here is, well you're feeling motion, but your brain isn't registering quick enough that it should be feeling this way. And it's like, we're feeling weird, let's shut it down and barf and lay down on the ground. Rather than say, hey, no body, it's okay. What you are feeling is true, because you can see this blue gunk in your peripheral vision moving around correctly. So there you go. 30 bucks. I am tempted to try
1: it. So it's basically like motion sickness is when your brain gaslights your eyes. And... These glasses uh, fix that.
0: <laughs> when your brain gaslights your eyes.
1: Yeah, I guess. Uh it implies them. their brain is
0: trying to do it. Yeah. Your, your brain just isn't keeping up. Right, just, right, right. Yeah.
1: Please try these when I am present. <laughs> Let's go on like a drive up a twisty mountain.
0: Apparently, because I did look at this, you can wear them over your regular glasses because I have prescription glasses. So really, I'd have six lenses on my face, <laughs> only four of which are filled with movable move, blue goo.
1: <laughs> I have to say, they're on sale for $29.98. Like, that's a pretty low-cost experiment.
0: <laughs> for, your, for your entertainment? <laughs> for
1: my own delight. I'll buy them, Jeff.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm just wondering, like... <sighs> One, uh, a Dramamine works, so there's that. Two, if you have to get on boats a lot, like if you if you really struggle with motion sickness, I don't really struggle so much. If this works at all for people who have to drive a lot or have to take planes a lot or any situation, you know, a follower on this the more extreme motion sickness curve, I can see you know give me anything. Mm -hmm. This is a wild fix, and just the visual itself. Is very, very funny. I guess I kind of like, at least feels like it's pseudoscience is okay. All right. <laughs> if it's about your vision and what you're seeing in motion, this is at least reflecting something related to motion sickness. Like, yeah. it's not saying, you know, boil this root and take it with a Snickers bar and you'll feel better. It's like trying to do something, but. It's- um, if any of you want to try it and would like to report back on it, I would love yeah, to do that. I, I don't know, I'm I'm worried about this. I'm, I'm worried about this.
1: I'm not worried about it. I don't uh, like you said you know, Dramamine works and like yes. that is uh, if Dramamine works and it does and it's cheap, I don't understand why we need this. I guess if yeah. you if your motion sickness is so severe, but if your motion sickness is that severe, then I don't know that this would work either like um, right. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. really get motion sick, but I was concerned about, um, a helicopter ride when we were in New Zealand and my doctor, oh, gave I'm me, getting sick. Just thinking. <laughs> about it. my doctor gave me one of those patches you put behind your ear and you just wear it yeah. for a couple of hours. And I didn't get motion sick. I don't know if it was because of that thing or just because the helicopter didn't bother me, but like there are other options.
0: The downside of drowning is it can make you drowsy. That's so true. there's that. These presumably wouldn't make you drowsy. Maybe it would you make have... you wildly uncool, but it's you know, <laughs> either that or barfing. I know what I'm thinking. Right. I'm already uncool.
1: Well, barfing is arguably even more uncool than wearing nerdy glasses. Right.
0: Well, that's true. You know, value value over barfing is a pretty good... Uh...
1: <laughs> value over
0: replacement <laughs> barf. Yeah. Barb. <laughs> Vorb. All right. Oh, boy. Um, well... I guess we've we've been doing this of late of like kind of sketching the outline of an article but asking you to go read the whole thing or saying you should go. I'm gonna do the same thing with a long piece in Wired by Brian Barrett Mm -hmm. about Microsoft's ebook apocalypse. I think it's a little strong. Apocalypse is strong. strong. But as we've talked about before, Microsoft is shutting down its ebook store and the thing that's going along with the ebook store is the ebooks that you bought from Microsoft because as this piece rightly and need I guess a good reminder to point out that really what you're doing with eBooks is renting them. Like you're basically renting a license to access the file from whatever vendor you're you're buying it from. And they are going to give some credit and refunds and uh, it's a little unclear to me here. But <clears throat> especially when say, let's say there was, I don't know, an entity that controlled ninety percent of the ebook market. Um that mm-hmm. Decided to do something differently with the licensing, there's some threat, is the wrong word, but there's some cost to the way the current thing is set up. I'm not sure if you're an ebook reader, does this tip? I mean, for whom does this tip the scales? I'm not really sure. But as a reminder, that when you're saying you're buying an ebook, we're kind of wrong, right? You're buying a license to access that file for perpetuity or until that entity doesn't exist or the terms change or something else like that.
1: Yeah. I think the most interesting thing about this piece is that this kind of coverage is still in super tech specific publications like Wired and yes. that I mean you don't have to be like deeply techy to read Wired but it's not like in most people's morning perusal of the news no. on on their internet and so I think most I'm going to guess that most people who are buying and reading ebooks aren't really aware of this technicality that what you're doing is buying the license to read the ebook and so microsoft shutting down their ebook store and then also removing all of their customers ebooks from their libraries like it's not just we won't sell you ebooks anymore it's you don't have these
0: Mm -hmm. ebooks
1: anymore like i think that that's an important this is an important thing in like consumer education But it probably needs to be covered in more mainstream publications for that very reason of like, there are definitely people out there who have Kindle libraries with hundreds or thousands of books that would be shocked and very upset if Amazon did this. And it would be Amazon's right to do it because... Amazon has given them the license and Amazon can Mm -hmm. revoke the license. But I think that most consumers of eBooks are not aware of this. Like I certainly wouldn't be if I didn't work in publishing and have an interest
0: well, and I forget too. Honestly, yeah. I forget. I'm like, oh yeah. By the way, yeah. And uh, I don't even know
1: how I would explain this to like if my dad started using the Kindle app on his phone, and then the thing happened. How would I explain to him like, no, actually, Amazon didn't screw you.
0: Mm-hmm. Like
1: they just changed the thing that they've had the right oh, to change. Or, all or they might have screwed yeah.
0: you, but they told you first,
1: right? Or like you shouldn't yeah. be. They've had the right to do it. Like they didn't mm-hmm. do something. They don't have the right to do.
0: And that, in in looking at this, I don't know what the again. I'm not a not a expert technologist by a of imagination, so there might be software or other kinds of solutions that would help. I don't know how you fix this. If you have rights management on files, you need some sort of key to say this person can access that file. And wh- whatever entity controls that key is essentially the platform. Wh- what platform can't go away? Right, th- right. They're all They're all equally, maybe not equally prone to going away, but none of them gets rid of that fundamental truth unless there's some sort of like... Government-run blockchain. I mean, I, I sound start I sound like a like a like an oddball mm. when you start saying government-run blockchain to protect my Star Wars novels. I, I don't know what you could do about that. DRM-free is the obvious solution, but a whole kinds of problem. Then it's just another file, right? And with all the files, maybe, maybe that's the right way. Maybe it's like that's what we should be doing. Maybe it's what consumer advocacy groups could be advocating for. It's like piracy is something we have to deal with anyway. I don't know. There's a there's the people weaponizes weaponizers are too strong. There's the people that use this in the larger print versus non-print wars to say, "Well, ebooks you just but you know what doesn't have that is print. And they're right. they're right. Print doesn't have this sort of problem. On the other hand, if your basement floods, your ebooks aren't ruined. So I don't know which one. I would guess it's more likely that my print book gets destroyed than Amazon revokes all the rights to my ebooks. That's just my guess. Yeah, I would guess about that, what so. actually happened. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure where you want it's just where you're gonna put the risk. There's no risk free choice here. Um, this one is more systemic, and maybe maybe we understand implicitly that our books could get ruined, lost, stolen, whatever. Where with eBooks we feel like the thing we are buying is security. And it's probably more secure than your print, but it's not absolutely secure. Now I'm talking to myself into this maybe not being as big of a deal. Did I just screw that up, Rebecca? <laughs> did I screw up the hit on what... Did I just... Is my hot take just like kind of lukewarm now? I cooled my take there as I went I, through
1: that. Yeah, I don't think it's like a big, big deal other than it's a critical piece of information to have if you wanted to be like a... If you want to be a fully informed consumer about what the risk is on either side, like I think you're right yeah. that we understand when we buy any physical good and bring it home that anything could happen to it. My dog could and has eaten books, <laughs> you know, like right. that could occur with anything that I bring into my house. Um, but do people who are buying eBooks have that same level mm-hmm. of awareness about what could, what the risk is with with buying an ebook and that they're not actually buying the book, they're buying the license to it. And that means it can be revoked at any time. And I think that the answer to that is no, that most people don't know that. And so like, if there's a big deal in this at all, it's that um, ebook distributors, are not going to any efforts I think to explain this to their customers up front. And then after the fact, it looks like an ebook apocalypse because you've deleted your ebook store and removed things from people's libraries. And they had no idea that that's a thing that could happen.
0: Hmm. Let's get out on this one. Um, maybe this should have been in the follow up section, but just one more page books, um, is in Arlington Falls church. I believe that's in Virginia, right? Yes. Yeah. It's a DC suburb, DC suburb. Um, so they have a long Twitter thread asking for support from their constituents or anyone else who's inclined to help them saying the real estate taxes for the building they're in have been increased significantly. And that results in a 30% increase in our portion of those taxes. They're saying that affects us. Here's what you can do. And they, they line out, email the Arlington accounting board to let them know that small business like one more page matter. Here's the email address. Tell your friends about the store, get some more business in there. Three. Consider buying one more thing occasionally if you can. So a combination of, you know, advocacy, governmental structural change, and I guess pattern of usage. Mm-hmm. They're asking those th- those two things together. I still I still would be curious to hear. Um, what they hope to say, but they are honest. Like, we do not know whether our options for reconsider a reduction of real estate taxes, but we want to alert the board about the significant impact these changes have on small business, like one more page. I think it's all right to be clear and say, we don't know, but we want to, this is a part of finding out and exerting pressure. I kind of like that better than a general, please help us. Yeah. Um, Because then part of what you're doing is, my email, your email, is a pebble on the scale of the board responding in some way. So I can understand more clearly. I just so I think you found this, but I think that's a good example of the er, getting your fans, customers involved early, but not so vaguely that it's like mm-hmm. kind of throwing up your hands and boy, the things seem tough, aren't yeah. they?
1: Yeah, one of our contributors uh, surfaced okay. this, I think, and I just happened to catch it. But it stands, I think, in stark. Contrast to the piece that we were that like long mm. rambling piece on Facebook last week, where we were like, What are they actually trying to do here? It's very clear. Maybe one more page saw that and you know saw reactions to it and learned mm. from it. But I do think also early intervention is useful there. Yeah. And I don't know, last up this week, because we continue to cover. Oh, these yeah. Things. I
0: just skipped over this, but I didn't. Yeah, want to this skip
1: is if this. this is an after the fact, like after the thing has occurred, um, the TLDR version is that a school district in Texas banned an LGBT themed graphic novel from its school's curriculum and then covered up the ban. And that's, there's evidence of the cover up in that there are records, like lots of people can attest to all of the things in the process along the way. And then there are um, indications of like emails missing from records and forms missing from records. And (sighs) yeah, it's, (laughs) it's bananas. Um, So and all of that, like it's been taken care of after the fact the district like created a new policy that they said the book was removed under the policy, but the policy didn't exist at the time that the book was removed. And now they're trying to like cover their tracks so that going forward, they can ban other LGBTQ inclusive texts. Um, the librarians for the school had done some work with the comic book legal defense fund and, uh, working through, um, the the ALA's Office of Intellectual Freedom as well. There's a lot going on here. It's not a super long piece. It's from the Dallas Voice, and we'll have it in the show notes if you want to read the full details of that.
0: Sounds like a bit of an ev- evolution from the tack we've seen of late, which is, you know, a formal thing, asking to review. This was... How how yeah, how did this yeah, happen? In, this
1: was um so the Let's just
0: not let's ban it without telling people because yeah, we found that telling so, people really blows up in our face. Yeah,
1: the librarians were doing a um Let's see that they had they had won a grant from the school the foundation for the school um, to purchase these graphic novels. One was March, one was Speak, Monster. Love is Love is the one that was banned, and it's about the uh, Pulse nightclub shooting, and then uh, or the you know massacre, Mm -hmm. um, and then in real life and hidden, and the all the books had arrived. So like they had won the. Hmm. They had won the grant to do this inclusive graphic novels unit, and the books had arrived. The books were being laminated in order to extend their use. The principal, according to this librarian's account, the principal entered the room and told them to pack up the books because a complaint had reached the superintendent. And at that point, the unit was supposed to start in two days. Um, their team lead emailed uh, a letter the next day requesting an immediate return of the novels, and the district follow and saying that the district should po- follow its policy for challenged materials. Oh, really? Materials. You, should,
0: you should follow the policy. Right. That's and that the
1: district never responded, Great. and so the librarian says, "You know, we chose our books on this topic. This was for freshman students um, to have." topics that they could relate to, bullying, sexual abuse, child labor, violence, the prison industrial complex, and bigotry, because their um, circulation information demonstrated that students were checking out three graphic novels to every five fiction books. Wow. Yeah. And their plan was to have each student just select two from the set to read. So they weren't even requiring that everyone read the Mm LGBT-themed book. They had overwhelming support, including from their principal, who's the one who suggested that they seek funding through the foundation. And from their English department chair. And the support fell away, like immediately, I guess, after some complaint was filed. Um, A committee comprised of librarians and of the superintendent um, decided to ban the book. Their school's librarian repeated a rumor that the committee took issue with the novel's quote, extreme homosexuality and this librarian who's written the piece says the te- the text is tasteful and respectful and sadly representative of this tragic event in our community's history um the reasons that the school gave are that there were no professional reviews of Love is Love, that it was a paperback-only format, and that it had, quote, mature content. But many many of the books (sighs) in this district don't have professional reviews, especially because graphic novels often don't get reviewed at all. Mm -hmm. Other books in the unit were also paperback, and they were retained. And as for it being for mature content, the cover does suggest that it's for mature readers, but high school falls under that category. And so these two librarians, went and got new jobs over the summer and the fact that they left the school actually complicated things because Mm. the comic book legal defense fund needed someone associated with the school a teacher a student or a parent to make the complaint with them in order to reverse the ban and so then like sort of things got more complicated but there's like this is pretty damning yeah. Uh, this lib- the uh, librarian's name is Anna Waugh and she is she herself is a lesbian, and so she's writing about um, that this affects her the community that she is a member of, and that the Pulse shooting affected her community, and uh, not just is as, as it being important for their students to be able to mm. you know read books about things that happen in the world. But this is one of those like if you're gonna do a thing and cover it up, you better be like real sure you can get away with both because the cover up looks worse than thing in the first place.
0: Yeah. Not
1: that that there's a way to look good when you're banning books anyway.
0: Yeah, I guess it's another, the wrinkle, as I said, is this is new of trying to cover it up after the fact. So maybe for those of you, those of us who pay attention to these sorts of things, we have to be on guard for this now, Mm -hmm. right? Like you're not going to get a formal note from the president of whatever crackpot society to ban your thing. They're going to shadow ban it with someone they know going through unusual, I guess, patterns or workflows or processes and just get it banned without letting everyone know because what they found is getting, letting people know means it gets, it brings heat and light mm-hmm. to a situation which can withstand neither. So um, let's watch out for those. Rebecca, I think that's our show. You can I email so. us at podcast at bookriot.com What book would, you know, what book like the starless sea would command a uh, review copy premium that also would have a high likelihood of getting it. I would like to hear that. Um, I guess that's real. Oh, I assume for most of us, a live action Harry Potter series would be enough to get us to sign up for whatever. I'd sign up for Dr. Pepper's new streaming service or whatever <laughs> they're going to do. I don't even know. Um, I assume that's true. But if it's not true, I'd like to hear about that. We'll be back next week with more what's new and cool and worth talking about in the world of books and reading. Thank you so much, Rebecca. i will talk to you later.
1: Have a good one.